actually think the growth of sports science and data is actually it will become exponential at some point in racing um so it's just being ahead of that curve and just sort of um, trying to always be proactive about looking for stuff and not just sitting on what we're we're happy with Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The Ferret's Den, and we will explain the name shortly. I'm your host, Mike Barrett. Today, we are joined by members of the data and performance team. We've got Josh Cadillac Kavanagh, our head of data and performance, Katrina Anderson, track cat, as many of you will know, our head of sports science, and we'll also have a very special guest in Bailey McIntyre, one of our performance analysts. Uh, but today, it's The Ferret's Den, and we're going to start off by explaining what that is. Josh, uh, the name Ferret, it's a nickname for those in the data and performance team, uh, came up a couple of years ago. Just to explain what that's all about. Morning, Mikey. Uh, yeah, really excited about this monthly podcast um, titled The Ferret's Den. Uh, I think Kat was saying before, she doesn't really know. She seems to have left out of the, uh, the Ferret's naming um, when it originally came about, which was probably just after I came on board. Um, early in January last year, and it was just because we we're always digging for data. And you know, whenever we get a request from someone in the QMR racing team, we're always just digging for that data. Um, the other day, I got asked, you know, how many runners have we had since April? Because there's no sort of easy way to sort of dig that out on the on the web at the moment. So we're just simply, you know, reporting and digging for that sort of data. Very basic request that one, but um, <laughs> hopefully we, we draw some bigger insights. Um, you know, out of the, the ability to dig into our database um, and be able to query, query our database for, you know, multiple multiple sort of facets of the racing game, um, whether that's breeding, whether it's um, sales data, our clients, um, training data, racing data. Um, but, yeah, we'll dig into that a bit more, um, pun intended. <laughs> uh, and that it really speaks to the philosophy of what this is all about. Katrina, you started with... Kieran, uh, like over three years ago now, I think it was all bare bones. It was you and Romy uh, at the time, but that philosophy of just trying to find out more is really what underpins the whole department, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I'm am embracing the the ferret uh, mentality, and probably without knowing, I've been uh, digging for information and trying to learn more the entire time I've been here. Obviously, it's sort of a new part of racing and bringing sports science into training horses where we're sort of uncovering a lot of uh, insight where oh, horses have been trained one way for so long and then we're just giving back that feedback to Kieran and David and the other trainers where they're now being informed of exactly what they're doing when the horses are, you know, performing a prescribed training but now they're actually understanding what they're doing and it's sort of helping to... I guess, improve the way we're training and, and more about the why of what we're doing. And I think the phrase that always stuck with me is Kieran said, if horses could talk, it would be a lot easier of a job. But, uh, you know, through the tools that we use, which we'll touch on a bit later, we do have a much better understanding of what they're doing in training, what their health's like outside of training, et cetera. So let's just get a little bit on your background because one of the things that impresses me is our ability to sort of bring in people from different backgrounds. Uh, both of you have got horse-ish backgrounds. Josh, uh, you got a bit of a wagering background and uh, around data analysis. Yeah, I sort of spent the last sort of five years before coming to Kieran Mar Racing in sort of wagering, looking at modelling racing markets and also sporting markets, um, even sort of in-play markets in sports and also racing um, to look at sort of factors that, that influence uh, 
events during during an event taking place. Um, you know, map position looked at map positions and things like that in racing previously to sort of try and gain an edge um, in play. I uh, spent sort of five years at a company called Bedia and Race Lab, which was a um, started off as a is actually a wagering syndicate where they sort of had an edge of um, sort of looking at ratings um, based. Uh, system to to gain a profit and an edge in Hong Kong and then expanded that to the rest of the global racing market looking at also greyhound racing and also some sports as well with uh, models that they acquired to sort of churn a profit um, um, around you know that sort of a um, in those sort of markets and then sort of spent some time at Labrokes as well um, for a year whilst COVID was on working remotely um, from Melbourne um, for their for their team in Brisbane, looking at the trading development side of things and looking at customer profiling as well as um, you know some some models around racing um, to try and have their own proprietary um, model to sort of base their markets off rather than being sheep like sort of the wagering landscape is from time to time. Um, also spent some time with the, the Sunshine Coast Lightning um, in their inaugural season in the Sunshine Coast Super Netball League, um, which was a great. Great um, sort of, you know, from the ground up, sort of similar to sort of where I came in at Kieran's um, and, you know, building from the ground up a, a system and an infrastructure to sort of support uh, training horses. And that was the same at, Sun, you know, Sunshine Sunshine, Sunshine Coast Lightning um, to sort of build that up and build up uh, performance and data side of things. And also a little bit of time with Tennis Australia, which is really cool to see what um, uh, a colleague there, Darren McMurtry, was running um, sort of building up shot by shot analysis, and he had a team of probably 20, 20 um, students sort of coding up data of every point in every match during the Australian Open and looking at sort of um, some deeper analysis of trends on how players perform and opposition analysis um, using that data. So, a real wide sort of um, look at that. And that was what my idea was to get in out of uni, coming going through the Bachelor of Science in Statistics to basically look into getting into performance analysis in humans, but uh, here I am looking at equine athletes, um, which is really, really interesting um, because obviously, as we've said, they can't communicate with us, so it's even more important, but not to say that, um, that the art of, of horse, rating, uh, horse trainers is just as important, and I think the combination of the two, you know, really combines a unique um, look into training horses. And we'll be talking to a number of our trainers uh, throughout this series as well to look at how they've integrated that. Uh, a lot of what you touched on there was around performance analysis, and I think that's something we'll dive deeper on uh, when we have Bailey on. Uh, Katrina, you've got a really interesting background, and in, as the nickname suggests, track cat. It's not just about the race track, or at least the horse race track. Uh, running background yourself as well? Yeah, it's quite funny. A lot of people, when they... They know that I'm called Track Cat. They think that it's because of the trackers, but it's actually <laughs> I'm the original Track Cat from running. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I grew up on a farm in New Zealand. Um, had racehorses growing up. Rode, you know, loved loved racing from a young age, and then sort of followed my athletics journey. I got a scholarship over to America, where I did my university degree. Uh, had a bachelor of science there, and then continued running around Europe and met a girl who actually was living in Melbourne. So that's how I, how I came to Melbourne, through running. And then through actually a simple Google search, I, I was looking at sort of furthering my education and I actually just Googled racehorse research Melbourne. And would you know it, Melbourne University had a uh, research, like an equine injury prevention program. So I worked with 
uh, Professor Chris Witten, who's renowned for all of his uh, wonderful research that he does in orthopaedic injuries and worked under him for two years where I completed a master's degree. And I had known Karen previously and ended up doing my research and all my data collection in the stable at Caulfield, which was great. And yeah, had a lot of good discussions with Karen regarding sports science and like being able to bring that into racing and many discussions on the why and how we train and surely there are better ways and yeah one thing led to another and so I finished my master's degree and then started working for Karen and it's been an amazing journey and really interesting it's and I I love being able to bring sports science and what we do in my own training and bringing it across to horses and yeah it's um yeah, I love the the way Karen and David are so open about the way they train and they're willing to try things and yeah, I think that open-mindedness is why they're so successful. And it's the reason this department exists and it's the reason that we've poured as much resources into it as we have is just through that inquisitivity, like that willing to question the way that things have been done for so long. Um, And it's something that we've seen across the board, you know, some slow adoption, even David himself uh, will readily admit that he, uh, he took a bit of time as the oldest 31-year-old, I know. He was uh, portrayed, I think, like a, in a Guy Ritchie film as the nemesis sort of thing, you know, like brick top in Snatch. You know, he was he was the evil villain, but now he's really come around to he's it. He's certainly he come around. Loves he loves it. He loves it. And you just see as well, don't you, like uh, even riders getting off the horses now and uh, asking for the data. And as soon as you see a rider asking for the data, that's going to be a bet. Yeah, it's usually what it is. One rider will come in and they've had a bet with the other the rider at the time because they think they were right and yeah <laughs> I love being able to provide the information it's been so good to see that adoption of it across the stable and I uh, was certainly seeing the results from it given it's the first episode I really just want to dig in a little bit on what we mean when we talk about sports science and data and as I said we'll talk more about the data and the race performance side uh with Bailey but Katrina, what do we mean when we talk about sports science? Because a lot of the owners will have gotten updates, you know, with their tracker recordings and, you know, we, we talk about, you know, recovery rates and things like that. But it is bigger than just monitoring their training. Yeah, exactly. It's also uh, what we're trying to achieve in a training session. Obviously, there are uh, many different uh, physiological uh, changes that are happening and how horses are adapting and responding to training, whether that's uh, physically, like, you know, you're looking at muscular, looking at, aerobically how what we're actually trying to achieve and then beyond that obviously improving the way that we are training and making uh, optimizing the training to an individual so we know exactly how they've handled that and where they are in their training and then we can make the appropriate steps and what we're trying to achieve and then also beyond that you know we've, we're looking at recovery and trying to uh, enhance that time or minimize the time spent recovering so then we can train at a high level again the next time they need to to um, have a solid training session so that might come under nutrition as well and then the ongoing monitoring of horses we we can establish a real uh, baseline for what that horse looks like whether that's action recovery and so if there are any outliers they immediately sort of uh, appear and we can then flag that to the trainers and give them that feedback so then we can um, hopefully rectify anything that is maybe is not quite right and a lot of the time you know the trainers will have picked up on that themselves great horsemen but then there are those times where um, outwardly the horse appears to be handling the work fine and then doesn't seem to be anything um, wrong but we might flag something and then 
you know, that something might appear later. So hopefully the data can pick up those small changes and it might be just that they're appearing in the data just prior to when they would actually be outwardly shown. So it's just like getting ahead. Um, and Josh, in terms of like borrowing from it and learning from other sports, I guess there are a lot of sports out there. Racing's never been known for being the most forward um, industry, but there are a lot of sports out there who are delving more into this as we're looking to do. I know you've been at conferences. How how much are we looking at other sports? Because obviously Katrina's spoken about, you know, just her own human training programs, uh, but there's a lot out there. Yeah, it plays a massive role in what we do. I mean, it's, it takes up, you know, a few days, sort of a couple of days a week sometimes and just looking, you know, just going on Google, seeing what technologies out there that could help us um, that's already been being used in other sports around the world for humans. What can we do? Um, the other week, I had a discussion with uh, Vu Motion Technologies, who are sort of um, markerless, you know, just video recognition technology that basically looking at the form and how how athletes train to make sure that they they've got the right form and any sort of biases in their running through. When you talk about form, sorry, you're talking about the actual physical. The physical form of, of an athlete. This is not the form. <laughs> yeah, this is not the form. Well, like might have a sort of form later, for, for you uh, punters out there. Um, so looking at you know how how athletes might have slight you know biases in their running and they can correct that etc. Um, through sort of this video technology. But yeah, as Mikey said. We both we've both been to the um, sports technology technology world series conference up in Brisbane the last two years. We actually talked at it this year um, in both of our first first talks at a conference, which was a great experience. Um, met some great people there, um, and really interesting the people that we networked with and that were interested about racing that come from sort of cricket backgrounds, um, cricket organisations, cr- uh, rugby league. Um, we had a great session out there with uh, the, the Redcliffe Dolphins up at um, Redcliffe who. We've got a, a close relationship with John Davey, who heads up this. Who sports. will be on at yeah, some point. We'll get him oh, on okay. here. Well, it's um, official now. If Katrina's put it, there's a few other few other guests. Um, one of one of which is a sort of a big name runner. We won't mention his name, but hopefully we can get him on. Uh, who's cats sort of um, run with and sort of trained with apparently at the same pe- speeds in the past. Um, with a little head start. Yeah, with a head start <laughs> with a handicap. She's had she's had fifty four and he had sixty. Um, but yeah, you know, learning off what they're doing, they've set a really good blueprint in the sports science and also in the data in the data world. That you know, we're at least I think a decade behind in in terms of what we can do here, um, and we're slowly catching up there. Um, and I think I actually think the growth of sports science and data is actually it will become exponential at some point in racing. Um, so it's just being ahead of that curve and just sort of um, trying to always be proactive about looking for stuff and not just sitting on what we're we're happy with and that applies to all facets of the business i was talking to mikey about this morning even the communication side is always staying ahead of ahead of the game and trying to innovate there and and give our clients and owners some you know really um new and refreshing sort of um communications on on their horses um and give them insight into data and and new videos of where we can you know how can we give them more you know jockey wearing gopros and things like that and you know overlay overlay the speeds that the horse is going on there on their communicate you know communications report to see um you know the speeds that's going on you know not only just one or two reports but every report going forward um so yeah you know really innovate that side of communications um but yeah you know that side of things we're we're sort of alone there because we can learn on other industries but sports the, the stakeholders are you know the board members and etc and the owners you know AFL are other members at the end of the day and they're not getting a report on how the 
St Kilda Footy Club are going or, um, you know, what they're doing. So um, we are left to our own sort of there, but we can we can learn on, lean on other sort of industries there to learn what they're sort of giving out to clients, et cetera, as, as sort of updates and learn that way. Um, but the sports industry, fascinating, and we're not just sort of siloed to, to Australian sports, trying to look globally. And um, Jess Corrins from, from Swimming Australia has been really um, open about showing us, um, you know, what they're doing in Swimming Australia to sort of innovate, looking at they've got some video technology there of, of stro- stroke counts in swimming. Um, what what can we do there? They had a really cool hub that, um you know, that they um, sort of this data hub that they were sort of operating in these swimming these swimming Australia championships leading up to the to the um, the the worldwide ones the qualifiers I should say um, for the Japan um, swimming championships recently and, and that was cool to see what they were doing um, whilst the races were going to give feedback um, to the athletes you know via the coaches so it was yeah interesting to see all that broad stuff and and you touched on it as well I think looking at the that your department externally the exciting stuff is is building this all not necessarily from scratch building on you know the work that Katrina's put in in the sort of two years before Josh joined and now but we're sort of not making it up but we get to look everywhere and get inspiration from everywhere and um you know it's exciting being trailblazers in this field yeah and then there's so much so much going on and you sometimes you look at your week and the people that you're talking to and and then you've got people reaching out to you, and yeah. So I quite often go for a run, and I listen, put a put a podcast on. Hopefully, people will be listening to our podcast soon. And you know, you come back, you're inspired, and you think, oh, maybe we could try this with horses. And then you know, you're communicating that with Karen or David, and yeah. And while we always think that we are continuing trying to reach out and learn from you know what's happening in in human sports, it's been really cool to see how many people have actually reached out to us from from human sports science and they're actually learning off of us. I think yeah. that we're actually a lot uh, further forward and we've come a long way and sometimes you, you you don't stop and look back to see where you were a month ago or three months ago or three years ago and it's actually like we've really been taking big big steps. I mean, probably just to touch on that is like looking at um, John from the Redcliffe Dolphins is how he was looking at recovery. We look at recovery and heart rate completely different to what he would look at. I mean, he's looking at the zones that they work in during sessions, training sessions, and sort of wouldn't look at their recovery. Um, but maybe that's not a big thing for the sport of rugby league, um, whereas it is for us. I mean, you'd think you might know more, Cat, but looking at athletes' recoveries on a track, if they were to have a heart rate tracker on them, that's a bit more applicable to, to racing, whereas rugby league is a stop-start sport of more skill, more so than, you know, anaerobic fitness. Yeah, aerobic. I think that also it comes down to they have trackers or heart rate monitors on during their game so they know exactly where they need to train to perform in their sport, whereas we don't have that information. Hopefully one day we'll be able to have heart rate monitors on horses in races so then you'll be able to really nail down exactly like how you need to train a horse for a particular race. You know, a lot of it is, you know, we have trials, but is a trial still only, you know, 90% of of how they they work in a race. Um, So I think that is probably the main reason why he looks at those specific training zones. But even myself running, I wouldn't really look at my recovery time per se, whereas in horses that information can be really useful for how horses handle the work or, you know, if they are under stress for a long time after or if there is a discrepancy between trainings and might be, you know, obviously we have, we know that pain is related to elevated heart rate. So 
there's there's that side of it as well where a, a person can tell you that. Yeah. yeah. What I'm keen to know is, and I think the listeners will be as well, is what does your week look like? And Josh, I'll let you start, but obviously I think given this is a bit of an introductory episode, getting an idea of what your week looks like will uh, give the listeners um, yeah, a bit of an insight. Yeah, Monday Monday is probably, you know, one of actually my favourite days of the week because we get to go through the main post races from, you know, Friday night and Saturday um, races, metropolitan, provincial country, um, with, with Kieran and Dave and, and racing managers, um, Simon, Reese, Nathan up in Sydney, and usually assistant manager, assistant trainers come on that call too um, to chime in for anything, um, how the horse pulled up, trot up-wise, et cetera. Um, and we go through those and simply use um, the racing planner that, that Bailey and I have, have put together, um, which we'll go through a bit more um, in the episode when Bailey comes on. Uh, and we sort of look to place the horses for the next start. And, you know, we I give a bit of a ratings breakdown on that on that meeting, um, look at their sectional times, you know, whether or not they could be suited up in distance, whether or not, you know, if it was their first couple of starts, how they're projecting for their career is the horse, you know, sort of ability-wise, how does that look in terms of how it sits on the ratings distribution, which we'll... To talk about a little bit more in the later in the episode um so yeah there's that whilst also jump outs are going on so there's data being recorded for cat and her team to analyze from the jump outs there's gallops that morning as well a couple of gallops tuesday gallops as well so that that data is all being recorded by the uh the heart rate trackers and um not just heart rate that it tracks obviously times and and locomotion as well um and then sort of for the rest of the week um you know reaching out to in sort of industry partners um, outside and inside the industry as well. Um, technology, what can we, you know, reaching out, working with a few sort of uh, different forms of new technologies to sort of try and expand what we're recording and how we're sort of analysing our horses to, to gain new insights into sort of how horses are recovering, um, you know, what, what sort of stuff are we looking at in terms of nutrition. Um, we've got a nutritionist, Nerida um, McGilchrist, who um, consults for us. Um, in trying to, you know, really, uh, you know, ad adapt a better diet for these horses and always be sort of, always sort of be changing to, to try and get the most out of every horse's diet and make sure their diet's right. Because, um, you you know, you could be training a horse 100% correct, but their diet, you know, could still be off and we're not getting the most out of them. So we're just trying to gain these little 1% edges, um, you know, which we've learned from sports that, it's not, you know, there's no silver bullet out there. It's just these little changes that will, you know, optimise the whole horse, um, make them a better horse going forward, you know, on and off the track. Um, so, yeah, that's the week. Um, you know, Bailey and I sort of look towards race day strategy work, so looking at mapping, so working with the, the racing managers on on what the race day strategy of each horse will be, um, as well as looking at, you know, data-wise, looking at breakdowns of, of track biases, um, looking at wind conditions, how that effect might affect. We've just come through Flemington where um, two of the days at Flemington were, were strong winds that um, was actually impossible to believe. Sort of leaders all just, you know, kicked on pretty well, which is when um, Jenny won the Jenny won the first of her group ones on the on Derby Day. Um, and then it sort of flipped around for the Thursday and, and that gave uh, Zardozzi an, a nice run in the Oaks, whereas if, if there was a bias like there was on Saturday... Or, or Tuesday that she actually would have struggled to win that probably probably Oaks maybe she still would have won but we don't know but um, looking at those sort of biases that might affect our our runners um, on a given day in race race conditions to sort of get the best out of them and ha give them the best chance of winning so 
trying to look at that from a data perspective, we've already got Reese and, and Nathan up in Sydney sort of looking at that. Um, you know, they look at that every day, but we try and put that fresh look um, on that. All right, there's a lot in there, and we'll circle back onto some of those topics throughout the series. Uh, Katrina, what does your week look like? Yeah, so Monday, also very big, big day. We've got the gallops from Saturday, which we'll analyse on the, the Monday, and then you've also got the Monday gallops. Um, so me and my team, so that's I've got Ben Clark in Ballarat, and then we have Trent Watkinson in Cranbourne, and so between us all, we sort of cover all the locations. Uh, aside from that, obviously, following on from the meeting with all the post-race meeting, we'll also get Josh will be able to send me some um, questions over horses and distances. Uh, also, I like to go through if it, we have any runners that maybe didn't perform well then go back through those trainings and, you know, did we miss something? Because obviously we're always trying to learn so then we can uh, correct those going forward and um, also if a horse performed really well, like did we change something that week or um, other than, you know, the daily data that comes through, obviously working with the assistant trainers to uh, uh, follow up on horses that maybe aren't improving or flag uh, something that I think is not quite right and yeah, making changes to the to the horse's training. I also work with the assistant trainers, uh, Jack in Cranbourne, Declan in Ballarat and Joe in Sydney to uh, sort of knuckle down on the treadmill program. We've done a lot of work in that area, I think, over the three years that I've been here. We've made changes to it. Uh, we've also implemented a um, treadmill program for the two-year-olds this year which has been really exciting to see how the horses are responding to that because bef- prior to that there was no real work on the treadmill on the current program we had that a two-year-old could handle and, and adapt to and so we've sort of tried to um, optimise that area. But, yeah, so I'll be able to we collect heart rates and lactates on the treadmill and we use that information to optimise each horse and sometimes we get quite creative with it and make like a really specialised workout for a horse because they're not yeah, handling the the training program as it is so obviously a lot of my work is revolves around the sports science and the data and the training of the horses but then I work with Josh as well to sort of combine the racing and the training and yeah so I think the overall everyone is sort of involved in the data in some way and it'll be really interesting when we do get the trainers on and and hear from their point of view of how they use our information or the notes that I put in the horses' profiles. Um, and then obviously later in the week, work with Josh and meeting you know, different uh, industry technology partners. And and then Fridays, obviously, I've got to do my tip, so that takes up at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> the most stressful part of Katrina's week is I'd, giving the tips. I probably should touch on also Friday. Um, we can touch on it with with Bailey, how he finds working with Dave, but Dave comes into the office for a bit of race planning using the race planner. So any horses that have just been sent out, so a big one at the moment is going through all our spring horses that have just been sent to the paddock and making sure that they've got their program set for the autumn or if they're going to sort of Brisbane or Sydney or or having a longer spell and going back to the spring um, next year. Uh, So an important part is, is sort of working back from what their next grand final will be for their next prep and making sure we've got all these milestones ready. So when they need to be galloping by, when they need to be out the paddock, when they need to be jumping out, what their first up possible run is. And then also, you know, being being adapt, you know, being able to adapt for any sort of setbacks there and saying, okay, well, if we're, we're a bit, we're up earlier, 
um, such as Gold Trip was, what can he run in? Um, so obviously he ran in that that benchmark hundred, I think, um, first up with a lot of weight on his back. So it was just being adaptable because he was up so early, um, and I think that was why he was so, you know, he was strong this prep. I mean, he's probably probably come through his first technically his first Australian prep last year, and um, then sort of the second prep he's really acclimatized well. Um, so yeah, you know, some of those um, some of those have been pretty good um, to sort of see play out, um, and then also on you know. On that Friday morning, we'll also have a catch up with our the data and sports science teams, and and also Cat um, sort of implemented the Journal Club, which is which is really exciting. So we we have take, sort of one member take us through the Journal Club. Kat. It sounds good, doesn't it? it does yeah. sound good. So one member sort of picks out a research paper, not necessarily Equine, because Equine research, as we know, is is lacking in sample size, isn't it, TK? Yeah. So we like <laughs> to just look at you know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it can be anything, whether it's uh, human science or, yeah, what's happening in the equine world. There's always new research that's going on and we're just trying to uh, keep ahead and keep looking at what's being done and then how we can maybe implement it in in our um, training or, or maybe it might pose a question and we can be like, maybe we should look into this. We've got the horses, we've, we're collecting the data and and also the how how people are doing things as well. But, yeah, it's not always easy to... Bailey, we've got to keep on Bailey. <laughs> he needs some hard riding, Bailey. Yeah, Does he? but then but you just get naturals like TK, who just you know whips out a, whips out a you know research paper, and well, she's all good. Bailey gets annoyed because every time he brings one, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good paper. He's like, oh, you've read everything. <laughs> so Bailey hear. will have his chance to say his piece soon, and uh, if he doesn't bring a research paper, at least he has some tips for Addington. Yes, but at least it's a good opportunity to discuss and all come together, and it's like a brainstorming sort of situation and yeah if you're not doing that week to week I think you're sort of you know, missing possible opportunities to to learn this is this is think this big. is why you're called ferrets just yeah. always ferreting always, always ferreting learning. journals learning you know it is and it's inspiring to see and I think setting that sort of uh frame of mind is so important in the area that you guys are in because that is what it's all about learning discovering and just having that inquisitive mind um we're going to sort of pick a topic each week this has been it's all it'll be a bit of a longer intro today uh as it's our first episode um but we're just going to burrow down on one topic each week in the sports science space and i thought given it's episode one let's talk about the trackers that we use the equimetra trackers from arianeo um they're one of the core pieces of hardware and software that we do use in tracking them katrina just take us through how the trackers work and what are what are we looking at? Yeah, so we've been using them from from the very beginning. Um, it's a device that sits on the girth, sort of sits just behind the sort of the elbow of the front leg. Goes and we have uh, it has a accelerometer, so that takes the. Can, I, can you cut that part? Can I just start that again? Yeah. Can you cut it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so we use a equimetra tracker. It sits on the girth, just uh, behind the elbow of the the near front. Um, the tracker is used. It it records heart rate, uh, the locomotion, so stride length, stride frequency, uh, the GPS. So you're getting your max speed, your all your splits in the workout. It also, which I think sort of stands apart from the other trackers that are available, it has an ECG reading, which is really good. You can detect arrhythmias and also it's good for the vets if they need to clear a horse that has had an arrhythmia previously. Uh, yeah, so 
that information then is synced to the cloud and we can then look at those, that information on the um, website. It's got you know, the full training there. Josh and Bailey have made uh, a really cool dashboard that we use and so we get all that information profiled on one horse in one place, which makes it really easy for for my team to you know look at the training and seeing how they're progressing. But, yeah, the tracker itself, that's sort of the, the basics of it. But then obviously we're drawing a lot of insights from that that data that is being recorded. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the big big thing that we're sort of doing. We've employed, you know, the likes of Bailey and myself um, to sort of bring in this data, you know, to create our own data warehouse. And that's probably not, you know, there might not be a lot of other racing stables, but a lot of, a lot of sports organisations and teams are doing the same thing where they're creating their own data warehouse that um, extracts all this data from external platforms. So we've also got the polar data coming in there and the Equimetro data so that Cat doesn't actually have to go to the Polar website or the Equimetro website um, to actually analyse the information on a daily. She can just come into this one central dashboard where we've got that pulling through, and that's the power of the database. So obviously you do need to build that dash, have the ability to build dashboards outside of it. Um, there's a lot of plug-and-play, drag-and-drop type um, dashboarding out there, such as Tableau, Power BI. Um, we've, we've opted for what we use in Shiny dashboards, which is built... Um, from an R background, um, and we use the database on Amazon, Amazon AWS web servers. Um, so yeah, we use that sort of infrastructure to actually really enhance our ability to to make our own bespoke reporting and dashboards to to optimize efficiencies in our team, and also be able to report simple you know simple simple bits of information to our racing managers, our bloodstock team, Kieran and Dave, you know, where they need it. Um, they can create their own bespoke reports because we're sort of, you know, limited by the out-the-box stuff and, and there is limitations of development of the um, horse management platform Prism that we use from time to time, which is which is fine. That's just how they, um, they operate sort of. Um, but, yeah, it's creating that bespoke reporting, which is creating a real unique view and we can we can sort of drag drag that to our heart's content and, you know, learning off what we learn in the journal club, we can actually go back and, you know, put a new metric in it in a dashboard that we we find that might actually give us a better insight into how a horse is training or um, how a stallion's performing, you know, at, at the sales, et cetera. And we're three years, about three years into collecting this data now just from the training, which gives us a really large sample size and a big set of data that allows us to start comparing um, it across, you know, a number of horses, hundreds and hundreds of horses. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing with, with collecting the data, like I've touched on previously, but we're no longer limited by what, you know, the trainer can see. Obviously, it's great that the trainers can go out there now. They don't have to clock the horses and, and they can actually just watch them because obviously that's the important part of, of being a trainer is being able to see, see the horse in front of you and train what you can see and then collecting the data objectively, you know, we can, it's reliable, we can trust on exactly what that stride length is or what their max heart rate was in that workout. And then we can provide that feedback to the trainers and they know how the horse worked to them visually and then that information coming in gives them, like, it sort of just sort of completes the 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 whole picture. And, yeah, I think that's where the trackers are unbelievable that being able to collect that objectively and... Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool and I think that now when you're looking at a horse, you know, you, this might be their stride length, but then how does that actually compare into, you know, the, the whole pool of horses that we have and we can sort of um, nut down on exactly, you know, how we should be racing this horse, whether it's the, 
their distance or also uh, tactically as well, the way they accelerate or, yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of ways you can cut it. But, you know, as Kat was sort of touching on there, we're not sort of... We don't think there's anything about, you know, comparing the whole population of horses, but there are from time to time that we do see it. Um, interesting one Kat pointed out was Sir Dragon A and how Gold Trip had similar action profiles and, and that was quite a high stride frequency for a stayer, but they had the obviously the aerobic profile and the ability to sort of travel over a, a longer distance and we think that that might be obviously something that, you know, if a horse has got a high stride frequency, a good turn of foot um, to put them away over a distance, I think that there's something in that, whereas a lot of the stayers that we see have just got this real slow turnover. Um, the probably ability to accelerate, you know, is not is not great, but it's it beats, you know, 80% of horses over that distance given their aerobic profile, et cetera. Um, heard also recently on, uh, on one of Chris Waller's uh, previews on a Friday with uh, Charlie Duckworth that he was saying how Shinzo and, and Zoostar had similar recoveries. Um, I know there's a few Zoostar horses actually of ours that are, are not great recoverers and there is a common theme that they all require a tongue tie, I think. But um, it was interesting just to hear that and how they were using the data um, comparing those two, but you know we've made sort of similar likes, you know, like that of of Dragon A and um, Gold Trip. So yeah, it's really interesting to look at those, and we'll continue to sort of look if we can draw any sort of comparisons. But at the end of the day, I've looked at sort of looking at heart rates and drawing that back to elite performing horses, and and there's very little in it. You know, five to ten beats per minute difference in in ones from our stable. It's because you can't measure grit and determination. <laughs> exactly. But we'll, we'll find. We'll come back next year and we'll let you know how we're how we're measuring that. Yeah, we'll have the grit tracker uh, <laughs> sorted out. Katrina's working on that. TK, uh, thank you for that. We will catch you next month. This will be monthly. Of course, you can hear Katrina or every Friday on the Formcast with Lee, giving out her tips for the weekend and more importantly, her insights into the ones that are running well. Because if Katrina talks about it on the Formcast, or she gives it out as a tip. It's not. Like, let's just touch on this now. You're not doing speed maps. You're not dealing with barriers, weights, anything like that. You're telling us which horses are going well. And often, if you've tipped them before, they are well worth following. She's yeah. got blinkers on. She does have blinkers on. She doesn't exactly. know anything about We're the not, field. Yeah, I'll sometimes say. Maps, no, yeah. Josh will come it in and be, be like, oh, no, like, I can't win from the map. If if Trackat was tipping when Winx was around, she'd be tipping, like, you know, he'd be, she'd be tipping, tipping unanimous you know, unanimous good horse, city horse, but, you know, she'd be like, unanimous is flying. And then Winks would be in the race and she'd be like, <laughs> oh, I don't care. <laughs> don't care. Look, that's what, that's the trust she's got in the data. So, yeah, just, a, it, just a disclaimer for anyone that follows TK. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, no, this is no the, one will be taking my dips anymore. <laughs> no, that's the brief. She tells us what it's horses unique. are going it's well. unique look. And she is invariably right. We can leave. I, I just get confused if I look at all that information then I that. start to doubt my own, oh, but yeah. I tell you what, if she aligns with Reese or Pete, watch out. Watch out. You, that's that's when the money's on. Gamble responsibly, as always. Yeah, I like to go for a horse early yeah. because I don't want to be looking like I've tipped them because they've run well. But well, I've it was you and Ben tipped. who tipped us into future history when he was back running over a mile, and then look what he came out and did. So, look, they're always on the money, the data and sports science team. TK, uh, we've got Bailey coming up. We'll catch you next month. Thank you for that. Thank you. Looking forward to doing this and sharing a bit of information about what we're doing. It's very exciting. Certainly is.
Welcome back to the first episode of the Ferret Stone Kiramar Racing Sports Science and Data Podcast that we'll be doing monthly. Here with Josh Cadillac Kavanagh, and we welcome in Bailey McIntyre, racing insights analyst and all round weapon and ferret. Welcome, Bailey. Thanks for having me, Mikey. Good to be here. You're going to need to get a little closer to that microphone. Thanks for having right. me, Mikey. Well, good, good to be here. That's all right. Uh, Bailey, welcome. Just give us a little bit about your background. We've heard about Josh, Katrina. Like Josh, you've got a bit of a wagering background as well. Uh, yeah, so out of school, I went into a job in into a job in the wagering industry at crown bet and that was pretty short-lived i moved to points vet uh at just as they were starting up so i suppose i was in there in an office of 15 people they're pretty big now i uh, had heaps of different roles uh starting as a racing trader because i was a bit of a racing and sports nut at the time always have been and if you and meet still, bailey yeah that'll be pretty clear to you very early on yeah so it was uh, a good job you know working at a bookmaker and watching sport and racing all day uh so i was there for a few years ended up in a quants role there uh then i moved on and through a connection at points bet uh he he put me into he basically sent me the advertisement for this job and the rest is history and here you are and again similar to you've got that uh obviously background in analysis and you know really data driven um uh, way of doing things but also a passion for racing yeah, so throughout school, maths was always my best subject, so I sort of stuck to what I knew, and um, that sort of led me here. And you know, using maths and the love for sport and racing, I yeah, I found I landed in this pretty uh, pretty good job. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the gap we were trying to fill when we hired Bailey? Uh, I think uh, so. Matthew Ricks, who had done some great work in setting up the the data and performance side of things um coming on board in 2021 um he unfortunately was actually i think it was actually a bit of a trade between and Kiramar <laughs> racing maybe there was there was also horses involved in the trade or something the fortune we got a teller, draft possibly. pick in like 2027 or something we got yeah. a few future picks yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think they get a future pick in the, in the gold coast 2024 magic millions um so yeah, but yeah, there was a bit of a you know I'd sort of stepped up from from similar role to to Bailey, um, sort of looking after the database and 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 Matt had obviously left the points bet as as sort of head of trading over there. Um, I sort of stepped up into Matt's role and then needed someone else to help sort of you know crunching the data a little bit more whilst I could try to look on in terms of you know the big picture sort of side of things um, and plan that out to keep that you know accelerating forward. Um, so yeah, Bailey's been great. Um, Obviously, technical skill-wise is, is amazing. Racing insight is, you know, racing knowledge is great um, and just brings, you know, a great perspective to, you know, getting everyone's opinion on sort of developing, you know, the data side of things and also the sports science side of things and, you know, just getting, you know, the likes of, of Kat and Bailey around a table and just clashing heads on, on what, you know, we can be doing and how we can be visualising all the great data points that we capture um, to give the rest of the team a great tool to assist them in, in each of their roles. Um, I want to sort of do, we give this a little bit of structure and break it down into three different areas, um, sort of race placement, and we can start off with long-term and then sort of pre-race work, the work that you guys do leading into a race tactics, what we're looking for, what sort of data points we're pulling from and then post-race analysis. So let's start off with that long-term planning. You spoke about the uh, Friday morning sessions where Dave comes in. He does like to get us in nice and early, uh, but he is good for bringing a coffee in as well. Uh, what are we looking at there? Because 
Josh, you touched on, you know, a lot of the horses that we're looking at there are ones that have just finished their campaign um, and going out for a spell. So what are we looking at? Obviously, there's insights from the trainer, um, but then we've built our own race planner that uh, Bailey's done. Yep. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about that process. I mean, yeah, that's probably stepping back to what the race planner is there. That was sort of, I came in the front door and um, Matt was sort of saying that Kieran's big request was to, you know, make this digital uh, race scheduling platform that we could use, you know, build our own bespoke system rather than having to use Racing Australia, which is very, very clunky. So we do accumulate all the, the upcoming race scheduling. Um, Bailey's p- sort of pulled in from each of the uh, the racing bodies around Australia and, and what the racing manager was doing before that was simply getting a magazine each month for for every uh, racing body in Australia. Jesus, it's been hard to get them off those magazines. Yeah. So <laughs> imagine, yeah. Still there. Old habits die hard. There's, you know, still three or four magazines that get, you know, thrown around the comp, you know, r- three or four Racing Victoria magazines that are just getting marked with races. Um, we're getting everyone off it though. And, and Simon's been great in using the planner to actually lodge our nominations. Um, obviously still through the Racing Australia platform, but he keeps it a list that is centralised and it, it flip, flows through to our horse management platform, Prism, so everyone can see what what possible races and that helps all our assistant trainers, Joe, Deck and uh, Jack Turnbull, basically, you know, make sure that the horse is prepared for, for an upcoming run um, so they can actually sort of pick out the one that, you know, they're most likely headed for. So obviously leading into that run, that they can have the adequate time to gallop, you know, leading into that run and have, you know, adequate other you know trainings bef- leading into that um to, to basically up op- you know perform to their optimal on a, on a given day um so yeah and it, it doesn't just it's not just the short term but it's like you said mikey the long term um it's been a real key piece for sort of bringing back horses and getting that long-term planning um going forward and i mean the planet gives us a real in-depth detail into the basic information that's out there readily available and then we combine that with our, our wait for age ratings which were um come to us from Dan O'Sullivan, the Ratings Bureau, um, which is sort of widely known in the industry for being an accurate indicator of performance. Um, and we can actually go back retrospectively with races. You know, we've got the Apache Cat Classic, which is a, is a you know, a sprint this weekend, um, open with 175,000. How does that look for your generation? You know, is it a, it's a weaker race, obviously, than what he just performed in on, on during the Cup, cup week. Um, so, you know, how can we place these horses based upon not only their true ability, but the form that they're in over a given distance, um, you know, to, to, to place them in, you know, optimised pl- prize money. Yeah, and that's what I want to touch on with you, Bailey, as well. What are the, those sort of factors that, that come into play uh, when we're looking at suitable races? Uh, yeah, just one thing with the schedule as well, just all being in the one dashboard. I think it has allowed us to, you know, we're more able to move a benchmark-type horse across to a different state um whereas previously you know your magazine for victoria's just got victorian races i'd imagine the same in new south wales uh we could send historically we'd send all the group class horses up to sydney because that's just the way the schedule works but now i think you'll find we'll be sending you know it's a lot easier to plan to send a benchmark class horse up to sydney or to adelaide wherever the most suitable race is if that sort of um if the schedule for that caliber of horse falls away in the state that it's actually, you know, been running in. Um, and then we've also got, uh, things that are built in to it as well. Like whether it's historical performances, um, you know, we've got access to, 
uh, early nominations as well. Um, uh, yep. Yeah, so throughout the week after nominations on a Monday, the, you know, trainers will have three days to accept for their horses. Uh, in that time, we will be able to view for the races that our horses are nommed in uh, progressive acceptances for, you know, how those fields are starting to come together. So ideally we might have a horse that's nominated in three different races, uh, two in Sydney, one in Victoria. Uh, we've got that three day period where we start to get a bigger picture of, you know, how that horse is stacking up ratings wise up against the field that is, you know, as they are accepting, uh, you know, on a, on a Tuesday morning, you know, the race in Victoria could be the, the race. Uh, and then, on Wednesday morning after five, you know, strong runners, except in that Victorian race, maybe, you know, New South Wales is the better option for that horse. All righty. And then I think also then if we start looking at, you know, pre-race, uh, you know, the acceptances are through, uh, you guys do a lot of work on things like speed maps, etc. Like what goes into that, Bailey? I know you take a lot of pride in your speed maps. You'll be sitting there Watching a race, I'm like, it looks like you've got a bet on this. No, he just wants to see if his speed map's playing out as he's predicted. Yeah, we turn the race off after a couple hundred meters. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an important part of it, though, is the, is the review of those speed maps, which we, we can always better on, um, is going back and seeing where, you know, we we did predict the speed, right, of the other runners as well, which, which is probably more important than ours, um, you know, to review and perfect ourselves in that area yeah definitely um yeah so speed maps wise i suppose we just obviously look at the early speed uh, tendencies of the horses uh if they're drawn well drawn wide how they trialed up uh trainers. i was gonna say it's not just races as well though we're looking at all trials jump outs in victoria obviously victoria does make it a little bit trickier with some of those uh unofficial jump outs and down a back straight and well yeah even the flemington ones are a bit hard to uh, get a gauge on but uh yeah, so you got to go to trials when, you know, you might have a field of eight debutantes. Uh, you got to try to work that out, which is always daunting when you see all of them leading and winning their trials. Um, Variance. Yeah, it's 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 different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so like trainers as well. Some obviously have tendencies to send them forward. Um, and just with our horses, we obviously want to, uh, I suppose, take into consideration if we've got a horse drawn low, uh, we want to sit in behind the speed. Do we actually want to sit behind the leader or do we want to, you know, stay one off if we think that the leader won't take us into the race? All righty. And then post-race analysis. Um, obviously, we do get the ratings uh, from Dan O'Sullivan, as you mentioned. Uh, what else are we looking at, though, when we're looking at a horse's performance? Obviously, there are things that aren't necessarily always quantified in the ratings, like bad luck in running. Uh, but those review sessions and, and just looking back and matching up what the ICs versus uh, ratings, uh, whether it's sectionals to the 600, what factors are we looking at when assessing a horse's performance beyond just their finishing position? Yeah, absolutely. We use, obviously, Dan O'Sullivan's ratings are good for performance and measuring that up, you know, for horses first up tomorrow. We might want to just see, you know, it might be not there to sort of, it might not, might not necessarily be a winning chance tomorrow, but we want to see that it's come back similar to its previous first up campaigns, um, first up runs of previous campaigns, um, and also, you know, finishing off hitting the line strongly or if the pace was a sit and sprint for a, a horse that's over its short of its best trip. Um, if it was a very slow run race, then we're sort of saying, you know, it's probably never going to be in that. And, you know, you're sort of giving it a forgive if the, the sectionals are lacking, but it's sort of just held its ground. So obviously the visuals are key there. I do, I do love having everyone's perspective on the call. You know, there's some times where people do say, you know, Kieran and Dave might think the ride was poor, but I actually think, you know, 
um, Rob is okay. And that's it's a game of opinions, and that's what makes it so great to sort of sit on those calls and have everyone's opinion there, um, especially sending a horse, um, you know, sending a horse to um, a different distance and, you know, going out on a, a limb and sort of saying, you know, take the horse back to 1,200, such as Dave did with Charterhouse a few weeks ago, which didn't look great, but it, he finished off with some great sectionals in a, in a very fast-run race with Najim Sahail, who led at the rate of knots. Um, so, you know, it's things like that that are really interesting to look at um, and where they actually have some, have some merit in their runs, even though they're not coming in the top three or even winning the race, um, but their ratings say different-wise or, the you know, the, the sectionals say different. Um, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not punters here. We don't... You know, we're not relying on the the binary outcome of a of a win or a loss to actually operate as a business. We're actually, you know, driven by pies money, but we do want obviously all horses to be winning when they can be um, for our for our owners. Um, you know, um, at the end of the day, that is one of our big KPIs. And sort of going back operationally, Bailey sort of plays a big role in in keeping track of things operationally, which um, we're a large scale operation with you know about six hundred horses in work. Um, and we can customise their, you know, their training based upon what we've discussed with Kat earlier in the episode. But I mean, the operations reports are just as important for for our CEO Ben, who's a big instigator of keeping track of these things and sort of implementing some real high level reporting for for not only Kieran and Dave, but also the board members as well to get feedback on how we're tracking um, over the year. I don't know if you just want to touch on a few things that sort of we're looking at uh, there, Bailey. Uh, yeah. So I suppose portion of the stable in different tiers of work um we just like to have a, a view on that as opposed to last year um you know do are we starting to drop off like uh is there a portion of the stable that are starting to be spelling in times of the year where you know we would expect that we'd be ramping up the numbers in training uh i.e before autumn and spring um basically just to make sure that we've got enough horses in training and just i suppose got the balance right all year round. Something that Josh touched on is that it is still very much a game of opinions. Um, and I think a lot of what we're trying to do is have the most informed opinion. In terms of just satisfaction of the job, Bailey, is, is that sort of where you get it from, is sort of making a call, whether it's the speed maps or, you know, getting it right? Or I know you've got a real passion for the horse as well, though. What is it? I'm just trying to, you know, understand, yeah. understand the ferrets here a little bit. What is it that gives you the most kick out of the job? I suppose getting it right's always uh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, probably that's probably the main the main indicator. But if you know getting it right, as Josh said, is not always you know the horse winning. Um, it just running above expectation is is just as just as good as um, winning the race, basically for me. Or Danistar winning. Now that yeah, Danistar yeah. quickly become the stable star yeah. I was looking for. We almost, one <laughs> we almost lost him to the Bloodstock team there after selling how much percent of it was? 50, 60 percent? 60 of odd percent, percent, yeah. Shout out to the McIntyre family. Yeah, no, fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed tomorrow. Uh, no, that'll be exciting. By the time this goes out, Danistar will have already run and hopefully won. So hopefully he's made it two from two. Um, all right, we'll, we'll certainly be getting you back on again, Bailey. Josh, thank you very much for this. It's been, as I said, an introductory episode to the life of the ferrets and what we're doing in the sports science and data team. And we look forward to bringing you more. Now, before we finish, though, we want to get your questions. Uh, so if you've got any questions for the team, you can email it to a sports science at kiranmar.com 
www.ai.com.au. We'll put that in the email address. If there's any questions you want to hear specifically from the team, getting your feedback will be a big part of this. And just peeling back the curtain on the sports science and data team because it can seem a bit daunting and mysterious, uh, but what is going on here is incredibly exciting and that's what this podcast is all about. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Mikey. It's all been right. a pleasure. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we, we might have a special guest on next time who Ooh, might be from, from yeah, guest. potentially outside racing, maybe inside racing. We'll oh, see. Oh, he's, a, he's a pro. He knows how to do a proper tease there. That's it. All right, that's all we've got time for. Thanks very much. We'll catch you next month. We are Kieran Marks.